Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week seven in the books. We are running well behind in the schedule here. How you doing? You looking to re- ready to recap some games? It's partially our fault, but partially not our fault. I appreciate your use of the word "our," as in as if you had anything to do with this. I've I've delayed us plenty in the past, so. Eh. I, th- this is pretty much just exclusively on me, though. Yeah, yeah, eh, sure. yeah. I mean, it is, but whatever. <laughs> okay, it's there fine. you go. Yeah, I'm back from a uh, second straight weekend traveling to a wedding. This one was in Breckenridge, Colorado, so I'm back from that. Uh, and then we had some internet issues earlier today. It was all it was all great, Mike. It's been fun. But now, at nothing else, we are here ready to talk about some Week Seven action. Are you ready? I am very ready. It was an uh, interesting, eventful weekend in the ACC, I would have to say. Or not eventful, Joey, if you're the Virginia Tech offense. <laughs> uh, not, not a ton of film to be watched for that, that crew, we'll say. Um, let's start here, Mike. Uh, from Saturday, North Carolina 45, the Miami Hurricanes 42. I, I got to say, I felt like this was just a perfectly weird and messy game being played clearly for the ACC preseason Coastal Championship. Um, this game combined for 87 points, four turnovers, 19 penalties for 183 yards. Um, these teams were both kind of a mess and it was just that North Carolina was slightly less of a mess. Um, North Carolina is up pretty big at halftime. I believe it was 31, 17 Miami comes storming back in the second half. They have the ball on about the 15 yard line of North, North Carolina with about 10 seconds left. Tyler Van Dyke going to throw one pass, see if they can maybe score a touchdown and then kick the game-tying field goal. Well, Mike, that pass was tipped, and it was intercepted. They never got a chance yep. to kick the field goal. And Miami, that's how they lose. I mean, if you're Manny Diaz and you're trying to save your job, <laughs> it's on the shoulders of a freshman quarterback, and he makes that mistake, bruh. It's so when you start lawyer, lawyering up and seeing if you can like sue freshmen in college for uh, is that what what does that count as? Uh, is that I don't know. Is that a crime to throw that interception in that last moment? Probably a crime, but I mean Manny Diaz still has some pent up frustration with Mac Brown. I think uh, because yeah. that post came handshake, icy man, icy. <laughs> I don't know. Mac looked like he was having a perfectly good time with it. It was Manny yes. who looked like he was like, you cannot get me out of here fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. Manny Diaz is probably like, what's the statute of limitations for slapping this guy in the face? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I do this on the ACC network and nobody has the ACC network, then is it illegal? <laughs> uh, 
lot of lot of uh, a lot of Comcast subscribers in in Carolina and Miami, right? <laughs> yeah, your secret's safe with us, Manny. Um, this game was again; it was kind of a mess. UNC actually looked really good on offense in the first half. Um, they had a pick six, but they also scored twenty four points. Um, scored on almost every possession they had the ball, so that was good for them. Um, second half, not so much. Uh, North Carolina had the ball. Uh, a few times, but they scored two touchdowns. They went three and out four times. Um, so that's not great. They only scored 14 points, but that's all they needed. So credit to them there. Uh, Miami with the loss is now two and four on the season, and they have lost six in a row to Power 5 competition, Mike, going all the way back to last year's UNC blowout. Uh, things not going great on South Beach, to be sure. No, I mean, it's it's going poorly. I don't know what it's really going to take at this point for Manny Diaz to save his job. And once again, I'll reiterate, if you're a Miami fan, you need to be hoping that Manny Diaz loses his job for this. Not because we really like unemployment around here or anything like in particular like that, but more you need to see that Miami cares about this football program. And and that's the way that you'll see it. Man. Yeah. Yeah, we're at that point, I think. What a it's, weird uh... place to be in. It is. I mean, I, I look at this Miami program and I think about the years they had under Mark Richt, right? And I don't think Miami's in any better spot than they were like once they fired Al Golden. Like I don't feel like this Miami program is any closer to where they want to be or where they need to be, do you? I mean, save for that one year in, in twenty seventeen. Like I don't think they're really any they, they haven't made up any ground i i feel like the roster's in a little bit of a better place a little bit but i mean is it performing at all no no yeah. not even close like that's probably fair they're recruiting they are recruiting better but they're not playing better no no and this is i mean this is completely back like a backslide for them really since like the midpoint of last season i would say like it it's it's gotten worse visibly like week over week. And and I, I feel like, too, we probably can't discount the fact that remember who they opened the season against? Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. And it has all been bad since then. And I don't I'm not going to blame the whole thing on Alabama, but I, I think there's something there that there's maybe a little something to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it's the old, the old saying: "Don't let Alabama beat you twice." Like, or like eleven like, times. Yeah, this is uh, so far we're at four. So don't let Alabama beat you four times. Yeah. And I mean, the injuries just keep piling up. I mean, uh, Miami lost Cameron Harris for the year. Manny Diaz announced Monday. So, just when you thought it couldn't get a whole lot worse, right? I mean, you don't have De'Ara King, you don't have Cameron Harris. You know, you're. I know you're missing guys on defense. This is. I mean, you're you're to the point now where it's like, all right. This feels like a lame duck head coach situation. We got nobody healthy. What do we do? I mean, what what's the plan here? Is Tyler Van Dyke the the quarterback of the future at Miami? Or is he I don't just think Manny the, he is the coach of the future at Miami? Right, like. So, is Tyler Van Dyke just a D.R. King replacement? Uh, you better hope you can get out of him what you got from D.R. King. 
I mean, you're not going to get it on the ground, but you know, hopefully whatever you got on the ground from Derek King, you can get through the air from Tyler Van Dyke. The only thing I'm sure of with Miami at this point is that Jalen Knighton is very good. He is. Yeah, he's talented. Yeah. So that's kind of the only the only certainty I have week to week is like, all right, well, I mean, Jalen Knighton's pretty good. Yeah, that is that is a positive. We'll see how much that keeps up now that you've got even less support in the run game from a Cameron Harris, because um, there's there's guys like Jalen Knighton, I think, that that look really good when they're like the third down running back. Like how many years in a row did Georgia have this backup running back that was the next big thing? And then all of a sudden he starts getting 25 carries a game and all of a sudden he's a lot <laughs> less dynamic. Like he looks right. great for eight carries a game, you know, but right. Um, but anyways, so not great in South Beach. Mike, I have a uh, an interesting question for you. Oh boy, North Carolina is four and three. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that they miss a bowl game? Because North Carolina's remaining schedule—I don't know if you realize this or not—they have five games left. Four of them against teams that are currently ranked. That would be at yeah. Notre Dame, home against Wake Forest, at Pittsburgh, home against Wofford, at NC State. So Wofford's a layup. Is there a chance that they go 0 and 4 in those other four games? I mean, I think I think there's a chance. I do I do think Carolina will make a bowl game. Um yeah, they probably get at least one of those four. I think they probably get one of those four and um you know, that gets them to six wins. It was actually uh it was interesting when North Carolina lost to Florida State a couple weeks back friend of the show jeff greenberg noted north carolina alum uh texted me and said this is bad this is really bad and i'm, I'm just thinking of this now actually because you mentioned this he said make sure on the podcast that you and joey talk about whether or not carolina makes a bowl game that was after the florida state game so jeff i know you're listening apologies for just getting to that now uh joey is just a mind reader though so we still got that on the program I think they still make a bowl game. I do. I think they could beat Notre Dame in South Bend, although that's looking a lot less uh, likely than maybe it did earlier in the year. Home against Wake. That's in two weeks. I don't know if I see him having much of a shot in South Bend, but we'll get to that in a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah, they, they could. I mean, they could beat Notre Dame in South Bend. I think what's more likely is they pick off either Wake or Pitt. I mean, Pitt's looking real good, but Pitt is also prone to uh, rolling over every once in a while in a weird game where they shouldn't. Row the boat, Mike. <sighs> row, <laughs> yeah, row, row the boat, except. Not not with PJ Fleck, but yes, rode, <laughs> but yes, rode, rode the boat. That's right, forty four forty one Western Michigan. Big yikes! That that is that is slowly that is not even slowly. That's actually quickly becoming one of the weirder college football scores this year. The more I watch Pittsburgh play, I'm like, how did Pittsburgh lose to Western Michigan? Because mm-hmm. outside of that Western Michigan game, Pittsburgh has been pretty impressive. Yeah, we'll 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 get to Pittsburgh here in a little bit. The point is. I, there is a non-zero chance in my mind that North Carolina loses four of their last five and doesn't make a bowl game. I I, I would say the f- if a betting you know if I had to bet will they make a bowl game yes or no I think the favorite is yes but it might only be like a 
minus 170, minus 180. Like, not a super heavy favorite. Like, I think it's on the table within reason. I mean, all it would take is North Carolina losing three games down the stretch here. And that's not that much. Not that much. North Carolina 45, Miami 42. Congratulations to the Tar Heels. You are ACC Coastal preseason champions. Yeah, and, and oh, also to clarify, that would be three outside of Wofford. I, I mean, they, they could go three and three and or two and three and make a bowl game here. Yes, yeah. They just got to win Wofford plus one other yep. to get there. Yeah, yeah. So, so just wanted to clarify that. Sorry. No, good, good clarification. Uh, let's move on, Mike, to Friday night as <laughs> – Goodness gracious. Clemson 17, Syracuse 14. Uh, I, I I texted you and Scott as this game ended saying Clemson is just barely good enough to beat almost anybody. Like, and this is this is what they are, because like they have they beat the snot out of South Carolina State, and then they have won a bunch of one score games. Somehow the only team that has come close to taking down Georgia is this team that also has almost lost every other game they've played. Yeah, I mean nothing to see here. Clemson's four and two, three and one in the ACC, baby. Atlantic Division favorites, right? It's getting close. Yeah, they uh, they just need NC State to lose twice, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about NC State because I got I have uh, I want to say I, I've reformed a little bit. I think I have too. I'm a new man. <laughs> I, uh, I'm the noted Wolfpack hater. So. DJU is kind of bad. Yeah, it's not working. It's not working. Like, it, yeah. and, and it's to the point that I don't think it's going to work. Like, this was Clemson coming off a of bye week. Mike, they had two weeks to prepare for this game, and this is what you got was DJU throwing 34 passes for 181 yards. Like, my goodness. What are we doing? Yeah, and I, I tweeted this out, and we've talked about it a little bit on the show. Uh, previously DJU's got the talent it's just in his head right now mm-hmm. like it's mentally just not he's not all systems go mentally right now I'm not, I'm not calling him dumb or slow or something I'm just saying like he is second guessing himself and just not sure of what he's seeing which is is a little bit a little bit weird after seeing the way he played in relief of Trevor Lawrence last year, it's it's shocking. It's a total 180. I mean, DJU had. I mean, when you watch him throw the football, I mean, he's got the especially like when they when they attempt deep passes, he's got the flick of the wrist, throw it you know 45 yards or, or put it on a rope. Like he's he's got that arm talent. That that's not the that's not the issue here. Spencer Rattler. I, I, I still Oklahoma, think that, that's not there either yeah like i still think he physically compares to like cam newton like big dude rocket arm moves well like all that stuff it's just he's not really using those those gifts right now and and right like you're saying i mean i don't know if it's you know quite a quote unquote seeing ghosts as it relates to you know not having a lot of blocking help i don't know if it's you know the receivers i don't know if it's the play calling but something's getting lost in translation and it seems like it starts and ends with DJU and, and to the point that like, I'm kind of curious, is it, when does it become time for Ty Pumachan or someone else at quarterback? Just, you know, just to try it. Like, I don't know. Does, does Dabo seem like a try anything once guy, guy to you or. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is, this is, pre- this is pretty telling to me. 
So, you know, Tony Elliott was available to the media today. Hmm. And I guess they were asking about expanding the play calling. Like to somebody else or? Uh, <laughs> wow. Calling better well, plays or like? <laughs> quote, it's the same playbook, but right now you can't throw everything on the table when you're trying to establish an identity. Joey, uh, we're getting into the end of October. With, with a kid who had multiple starts last year and has been your decided, you know, like he's in the program for a while. Why are we afraid of some of the playbook with him? If what not we, now, when? Yeah, what are we, what are we talking about? Ex- expanding an idea or establishing an identity. Like, you're six in. You are what you are. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like Clemson is like so banged up across the board that like they just haven't been able to to find themselves on offense because they've been injured everywhere. I mean, that's not, that's not the problem here. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there were a couple of pretty ridiculous circus catches in this game by Clemson that basically are the only reason they won. Um, I know Justin Ross had one. I believe Joe Nagata had one. Oh, that Ross catch. Was, we talked about that Ross catch at the goal line. That was, that was insane. Sick. That was um, sick. And, and it's one of those where you like your heart kind of skips a beat for just half a second when you know a guy that's had like spinal fusion surgery and such is yeah. coming down hard on his like upper back and neck that way. But he hung on, and that's why he's regarded as such a good receiver. Um, by the way, uh, I'll just toss this little note in here. Uh, Clemson faked a punt late in the second quarter to try and score <laughs> against Syracuse. A, things that I could only possibly be saying this year. B, yeah. That that fake punt was a completed pass that was also a circus catch that thankfully was con- completed because that was you know one of Clemson's two touchdowns on the day was on that drive that was saved by that fake punt. Um, I just like if 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 somebody had like gotten knocked out two years ago and woke up and saw this game on the TV, I feel like they would have been very very concerned that it was like 2050 or something like insanely far away not, not just 2021 somehow yeah like Dabo's out on the farm somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah how long did Dabo live for uh <laughs> <laughs> oh no not much longer yeah not not much longer is right uh story no, of this we're, game. Not threatening. we're not threatening Dabo <laughs> no <laughs> no there's probably an angry mob somewhere of Clemson fans that would be but um a couple, a couple more things. Story on this game. So th- this, this goes down to the wire. Mike Syracuse had the ball with about uh, a minute left. They were driving, trying to tie the game. Uh, they kick a field goal with about forty seconds left. I think it was like a forty-eight, forty-nine yard attempt uh, on fourth and one, which is interesting. And they attempt a long field goal instead of going for it with forty seconds left. Uh, and that field goal gets yanked, and so uh, Clemson survives that way. Did you have a problem with the with the play calling or the decision making there to uh, to kick the long field goal instead of go for fourth and one? Probably would have gone for it. I mean, I tweeted that at the time. I just given kind of the flow of the game and the way things have been going. I think I just would have rather have gone for it there. Um, I mean, Syracuse was running the ball with with success with Sean Tucker and Clemson over the course of four quarters couldn't really stop it consistently Mm -hmm. at least not enough to for me to be like oh fourth and one Syracuse absolutely can't get this here so they got a kick like I didn't feel that way so I would have I would have gone for it 
Um, I, I think anytime you put it into a a kicker's hands from you know forty plus, I, what was the what was the final attempt? It was it was forty eight. Forty eight. I mean, anytime you put it into a college kicker's hands, I, I think it's I think it's a mistake. If the other option is just run it forward. <laughs> Like well, and, it, and it's Andre Schmidt, who's like he's been good for Syracuse for his whole career. Like he's a senior. Um, the last three years, he's been over eighty percent on field goals. Uh, right. Like he's a reliable guy. This year has not been as good to him. Uh, he is now a little under sixty-four percent on field goals. Yeah. Uh, he is one of five from forty or more yards. So yeah, at that point, yep. see that or go for it on fourth and one. Yeah. That's the other part I was going to mention. Like there are defined splits there, like showing that he is not very good from from forty plus or hasn't been this year. So like why why kick? Yeah. And the other the other part of it too is like like what are you like what what are you worried about? Right. Like Clemson stopping you, you you end up with the same result. I mean, I don't. Really, What's like? What's the problem? I feel like it was a low percentage play given his, given Smith's like kicking ability. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a low percentage play to to try that long field goal. I, I think especially I knowing the struggles he's had this year, it makes it kind of a more low percentage. Like I, I would hesitate. And it's the other the other really good way to think to look at it is put yourself in the in the shoes of a Clemson fan. Like you're watching this you're on the tail end of what has been a 14 play 63 yard drive and it's fourth and one. If you're a Clemson fan, do you hope the kicker's coming out or do you hope they go for it? Probably hope the kicker's coming out. That's good. That's a good question. Yeah. I think you probably hope that they're going to try that long field goal. Yeah. So I'm kind of with you. Like I, I kind of see maybe the thought process, especially, you know, you need one yard on fourth down. Well, it's Clemson's defense. And you're Syracuse, and you like to run the ball, and they're going to know you like to run the ball, and they're going to come after you. Like, so I kind of understand the odds there, but at the same time, you know, that's eh, eh, a long field goal. So, yeah, uh, a couple other things here with Syracuse in particular. This is the Orange's third straight loss by three points. They lost thirty-three thirty to Florida State, forty to thirty-seven to Wake Forest, and seventeen fourteen now to Clemson. That sucks. Yeah, Dino Babers is the new Scott Frost. <laughs> We're going to start celebrating uh, Dino Babers Day. Oh, no. <laughs> the other thing well, that we, I mean, yeah. at least he doesn't have a huge buyout attached to him. Oh, well, there you go. They're always on the bright side, Mike. There you go. That's uh, right. I mean, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> the other thing here, Mike, that we didn't mention before is uh, Syracuse wide receiver Taj Harris uh, was in the transfer portal as of a couple of weeks ago. That's a that's a pretty big loss for them. He, he's, he hadn't really played a ton for him this year, but he was incredibly dynamic the last couple of years. Adding a guy like him to an offense that is so heavily like run based would make a pretty big difference here. I think um, he finishes the year only having played in three games. He had 16 catches for 171 yards in those three games. Like that's, you know, you'll take that. Yep, for sure. I mean, you you add the you add the element for Garrett Trader, who, by the way, I mean, we should probably mention this too before we wrap up this game. Like Schrader was. Decent by Garrett Schrader standards again, throwing the ball. Yep. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of a, like a low completion percentage kind of situation, but, you know, made 
got some uh, got some ground covered with the the uh, passes he did complete. So that's good. All this Syracuse offense needs is just enough of a passing game to keep defenses off balance. They don't need to light the world on fire. Just have the threat to throw every now and then and like complete a pass competently. That's they all can you need. Run. They, they can, can run. Tucker's good, man. They can run. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, speaking of Syracuse quarterbacks and the transfer portal, uh, Tommy DeVito also jumped in the transfer portal as of uh, this. I believe it was this afternoon. We we got that. So, it is officially the Garrett Schrader show in upstate New York. Yeah, Tommy DeVito could probably start at Virginia Tech. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's just go there then. Um, Clemson 17, Syracuse 14. Clemson continues to survive in advance, just barely. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know what else we can ask for him in this, this day and age. Mike, as mentioned, we are going to talk Virginia Tech. Before we do, let's talk about their opponent in the Tecmo Bowl coming up. And more specifically, let's talk about supporting their opponent in the Tecmo Bowl. Mike, the best place to do that, section103.com. Uh, of course, you're home for all sorts of premium, great-looking, high-quality Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they have a f- shirts and T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. Uh, they've got all those things with official word marks. They've got shirts in Tech Gold. They've got that ATL logo that's on the field. Uh, all those things, go find it at section103.com. Mike's, I, I got another another hoodie that came in recently, another couple of the T-shirts uh, that... Uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium is my happy place shirt. It is incredibly soft. It looks great. I love it. I own one. Yeah. It's a good shirt. It's a real good I, shirt. It's great. Uh, it, yes, it's a great shirt. It's a great shirt. It's a great shirt. So if you wanted a, one of those shirts of your own or uh, another one that has one of those logos on it, again, the performance apparel is really comfortable, really well done. Go find all of that at section103.com. Mike, and use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order cannot recommend it enough it has been an incredibly positive relationship for us with an incredibly great company with a great product uh cannot recommend it enough once again promo code go acc for 10 percent off your first order at section 103.com mike that's where you go if you're looking to buy some things to support georgia tech if you're interested in the other end of this uh, tech mobile rivalry you probably want to know that pittsburgh beat virginia tech by a score of 28 to 7 on saturday uh, and I, I probably just let you take it away here. I think you've probably got a thought or two. Uh, Virginia Tech had 224 yards of offense, the lowest output of the Justin Fuente era. Uh, Braxton Burmeister at quarterback, regardless of his health, he can't throw. He was 11 of 32 for 134 yards with a touchdown and interception. Virginia Tech ran off two four-star quarterbacks in Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson, and Justin Fuente and his staff consciously made a decision and said, yeah, this guy is better than the other two quarterbacks. One went to a perennial FCS championship contender, and the other one is one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC right now. And you are dealing with an often injured and mediocre passing quarterback at best in Burmeister, who's just a good athlete playing quarterback. He's got the size of a slot receiver, and he's just not very good. Virginia Tech's running game, this is probably the worst running game they've had under Justin Fuente. They've had some poor running games under Fuente. I figured that they were going to have a hard time replacing Herbert. I didn't think it would be this bad, but it is. Um, Virginia Tech's offense right now, and Joey, I, I wrote a 
I wrote a piece this afternoon over at sonsofsaturday.com kind of highlighting, you know, my thoughts of the program at this point. And I titled it, Sometimes You Dig Your Own Grave, which gives you an idea of how I'm feeling about this Justin Fuente tenure. But to give you some statistics on the offense right now to just kind of further illustrate my point here, Virginia Tech is 111th in the country in scoring offense, 116th in yards per play, 92nd in rushing offense, 120th in total offense. That's out of 130 FBS programs. They're now 106th also out of 130 programs in passing offense. Uh, Justin Fuente, the long and short of it, we've talked about recruiting issues, all this other stuff. The bottom line is that his decision to go with Braxton Burmeister and run off Hendon Hooker is going to cost him his job. Mm -hmm. And Virginia Tech's offense was bad on Saturday. I, I thought Pitt would win the game. I picked Pitt to win this game. I thought it would be close because I thought the defense would play well, and I thought Virginia Tech's offense – excuse me, Virginia Tech's defense did play well in this game. Bonaconda, you know, he had – he ran the ball very well in the second half. I thought overall Virginia Tech's defense did a, a pretty nice job containing Kenny Pickett. He only threw for 203 yards. That's well under a season average. Only had two touchdown passes. Again, well under a season average. He was averaging almost four touchdown passes per game. Coming into this, he was averaging over 250 yards per game passing coming into this game. So I thought Virginia Tech's defense did a nice job, but they were dealt an impossible hand because the offense had six punts, a turnover on downs, and an interception, not counting the kneel down at the end of the half. That's nine empty offensive drives in the first half. Virginia Tech ran 31 offensive plays in, in the eight drives that counted for 72 yards. That's 2.2 yards per play. It was horrible. It was horrible. It's fireable. I think we're done here. I, I was going to say, yeah. I'm over here waiting for the point where I'm supposed to jump in and say, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this was this this Virginia Tech. I mean, and this Virginia Tech team, like high degree of variability week to week. Like I talk about that frequently on this podcast. By and large, I think Virginia Tech's played well this year, like despite the offense being up and down. Like there have been a handful of sequences and a couple of close losses to West Virginia and Notre Dame. You can point to, and you're like, yeah, if those had gone a little bit differently, Virginia Tech is probably five and zero going into this game against Pittsburgh. So it's not like Virginia Tech has played extremely poorly. This was a really poor performance, and this was a game you absolutely had to have. And the fact that they've now lost two out of the last three years to Pittsburgh. And it hasn't really been all that close. They've lost the last two in, in blowout fashion. You know, they lost 47 to 14 a year ago. And this 28 to 7 game, I think, was even more damning because I don't think it was nearly as close as the final score indicated. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're done here. And it's it, it feels weird to say that about a team that's only one and one in conference. Like, but at the same time, we're halfway through the season and. If nothing else, we're seeing like a continuation of some of these just systemic issues that we've seen with this program building and building for the last two, three years. Like, I, I can't really say I've seen a whole lot of anything with this team this year that makes me think those issues are getting fixed or getting better. Yep. I mean, it's weird because I think this team is actually, I mean, there are depth issues, and I think from a roster like build standpoint. I don't think they're in a better place than they were from like a roster depth standpoint as no. a year ago, but I think they're playing better than they did a year ago, which is weird. And, and that's, that's coming. I mean, again, this was a horrible performance on Saturday, but 
coming into this game, yeah, you had a couple of weird results against Mill, Tennessee, and Richmond, but like you see how Virginia Tech played in their quote unquote big games coming into this, and it was like, yeah, I thought Virginia Tech could lose. I was surprised that it was this bad, but I think in a lot of ways, this was the outcome that was needed. You know, it was like we need definitively, we need to definitively know one way or another. Like either Fuente wins this game. You know, Tech moves to four and two. They're in the driver's seat in the Coastal, and they have a softer part of their schedule coming up. And like, off we go. Or they needed to lose like this to like give the give the fan base closure. Like, Get no more in front of the home fans. Yeah, yeah, no more. And and you can you can bleep this out. No more of this in between bullshit. Like <laughs> one way or the other. Like fork in the road. Like we need to have a definitive path forward. So. I think that has been accomplished. Unfortunately, it was accomplished in a way that ended up in a, in a loss for Virginia Tech. But it's, it's a wrap. There's not too much to say here. It was just a really poor performance. They were poor, you know, poorly coached, ill-prepared, really bad offense. Just Well, and it's, it's like you and, and A.J. Alex, I believe, both said in our, our preview show for the season for Virginia Tech is like, worst case scenario here is like a 7-5 and five finish where you're kind of caught in the middle of like, well, it was, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good enough. Do we spend the money and fire him or do we keep him around? And like, you need a, a definitive result here. You needed either eight and four or six and six and, or, or, you know, something even more extreme than one of those. And it does feel like we're, we're trending more towards the six and six level finish. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Make no bones about it. I mean, Virginia tech is at one and one and, in ACC play, like they're far from being eliminated in the coastal race or anything like that. But anybody with two eyes and a brain watch that who watch that game on Saturday can't seriously look at this Virginia Tech team as a coastal division title contender. <laughs> like right. they are much closer to the bottom of the coastal than they are to the top, even at one and one. It's it's like Miami. Miami was zero and one going into that Carolina game, but everybody knew they were dead in the water. Same deal here. Virginia Tech's just less hurt. Well, it's just like, but the thing is that I, I look at here, Mike, and the thing is like, I, I am not high on this program. I, I'm not high on the coaching staff. Like I'm not trying to justify or, or like anything, but I'm just, I'm looking at the other six games they have here. Tell me which of these pro these teams doesn't have their own problems. Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Duke, Miami, or Virginia. Like, like Virginia is probably the best team left on the schedule. And and they are far from a complete team, I would say. Um, yeah. You know, it's the, the real question in my mind, and I think this is an interesting thing to watch, is that Virginia Tech next weekend hosts Syracuse. It is their second to last home game of the year. There is only one more home game after that. If Virginia Tech loses to Syracuse, which, by the way, the way that Syracuse has been playing lately... They're due. They're they're gonna win a, a game or two down the stretch here. Like they're they're not bad. If Virginia yep. Tech loses that game to Syracuse, is Justin Fuente the head coach when Virginia Tech comes to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech in two weeks? Probably not. You think they fire him, you know, assuming that the last, you know, so, last five games, four of them are on the road. Just go ahead and get rid of him and move on. It's a hard. OK, so it's a hard question to answer because it's not like Whit Babcock to do that. That's not his thing. 
like for those of you who aren't familiar with what Babcock as an athletic director, he is not the type of guy to fire a coach in season. Um, and I, and I think, you know, those of you who follow this podcast and have been with us for a while, you knew what my thoughts were when Babcock elected to keep Fuente at the end of last year. I'm like, man, he is really holding on and I don't really understand why. So in some ways he can be loyal to a fault, right? But if, if Virginia Tech were to lose that game to Syracuse, that would be four losses in five weeks, right? And Virginia Tech would be three and four. At that point, you know, if Virginia Tech loses to Syracuse, now we're looking at this thing. I mean, tech, you know, Tech's probably going on the road to Atlanta, you know, lose to Yellow Jackets. You got to go on the road to BC. You know, that's, that's a losable game. Home against Duke, probably the only winnable game left on the schedule at Miami at UVA. And uh, I mean, sure, you can beat Miami because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who Miami's coach is going to be on November twentieth either. Probably not but, Danny Diaz. Right, but I think the only reason that with Babcock would make a change in the season would be to potentially make Justin Hamilton the interim head coach just to see, you know, the, and I don't think, and let, let me be clear with this. We'll have a lot of opportunities. I know we got other games to get to. We'll have a, you know, other podcasts to get into this. Um, Whit Babcock, he signed a, he signed a contract extension a couple months back. We mentioned it on this podcast that, you know, that afforded him a mulligan <laughs> essentially for this Fuente debacle, which by the way, I mean, I don't want to play revisionist history, pretend like this wasn't a widely received, like great hire at the time. It was, and it worked out really well for two years mm-hmm. and it hasn't since. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Sometimes stuff just doesn't work out. Sometimes you make a good hire. It works out temporarily and then it doesn't see Ed Orgeron at LSU. <laughs> like sometimes mm-hmm. things just don't work out. Um, I think that with Babcock, because this is going to be such a high leverage hire, and one that's going to be very highly scrutinized by the fan base. He's going to have to get it right. And I don't think he can justify hiring Justin Hamilton as the head coach with like two years of power five coordinator experience. Like, I don't think he can do that. That'll be him putting his own job on the line. Right. Which I think a lot of people think he already did when he tied his legacy to Fuente, but then he got a contract extension. So the administration is like, yeah, whatever. We forgive you. <laughs> That's fine. You can you keep around an extra year. Not that big of a deal. Um, so just something, just something to think about. I mean, I, I think that's the only way you make a move is if he's like seriously considering Hamilton to be the next, like a potential candidate to be head coach. You just want to give him the reins to see how the team plays for him. But I just, I I don't really see it happening. I think, and we'll get into it on the preview. I think Virginia Tech could beat Syracuse. I also think Syracuse could absolutely win that game. Right now it's like a three, three and a half point spread in Virginia Tech's favor. I think Syracuse could absolutely win that game in Blacksburg with the way they're playing. They're playing better than Virginia Tech is right now. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, Mike, that's a lot about Virginia Tech. Can we talk about Pittsburgh for a second? Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh is uh, who Virginia Tech played again on Saturday, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have much from the Pittsburgh side. I thought they were fine. 
You know, honestly, like, I think that's a really good word for Pittsburgh is fine. Now, yeah. here's the thing. Kenny Pickett is getting Heisman talk. Um, he had a brilliant day throwing for 200 yards and two touchdowns, which I could make some arguments <laughs> that that looks like Tom Brady these days. Um, so that's hey, good for him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, 200 okay. yards, two touchdowns, yeah. no picks. That was a very Tom Brady-esque performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, by the way, not kidding. That's, that's more a jab at Tom Brady than anything. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say. Here's the thing, Mike. Pittsburgh is now 5-1. and one. They are ranked. They're probably going to win the Coastal Division. They are more put together than, I think, any other team in the Coastal, uh, just you know, front to back. Here's my question. What is Pittsburgh's best win so far? Is it UMass? Is it Tennessee? Is it New Hampshire, Georgia Tech, or Virginia Tech? I think it's Tennessee, but I, I have trouble even giving it too much credit for that because that was Joe Milton-led Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, that game got a lot tighter as soon as Hendon Hooker came in the game for the Volunteers. Yeah, yeah. And if Hooker plays in that game, I'm not sure Pittsburgh wins it. Yeah. To be quite honest. So it's, I guess, I, I, I'm questioning a little bit, is is Pittsburgh a little bit fool's gold, what we've seen so far? Like, yeah, put up a lot of points on Georgia Tech and New Hampshire and Western Michigan and Tennessee, but like, I, I mean, so like this was this was more in line with what I thought we were going to get from a Pittsburgh offensive performance, like around 30 points, around 400 yards of offense. I think that's reasonable. I think that's normal to expect. I don't think these 550, 600 offensive yard, 50 point performances is really, truly what this offense is against a decent defense. And we're going to see really what they are against a decent defense this weekend when they play Clemson. So I think this is the this is the game where you really want to find out what Pittsburgh is. Even if they win it, lose it, whatever, doing what they're going to do against Clemson in that defense, I think it's going to tell us a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't see anything from Pittsburgh on Saturday that really changed my mind one way or another about who they are as a team and like viability moving forward. Like I thought they were fine. I thought Virginia Tech lost the game because they couldn't move the ball I didn't think it was because Pittsburgh was brilliant like Pittsburgh's defense played well and like Virginia Tech had to be put in positions where their quarterback went 12 of 31 passing but he would have done that on his own too so like, I, yeah. don't, I don't think it was like it wasn't like Pittsburgh was playing defense like Georgia all of a sudden it was just you know like anything else a little bit like you always like to say a little bit in column a a little bit in column b yeah a little, little bit of both so Hey, good win for Pittsburgh. They keep rolling. Like I said, I think at this point, it's hard for me to figure out who's going to win the Coastal if it's not Pittsburgh. Like, they're they're the yeah. best team in the Coastal. Yeah, I, they're the best team in the Coastal. I mean, I guess, I guess the other team would be Virginia, but they're. I mean, they're flawed. They still got. I mean, Virginia's still got a couple non-conference games left and stuff. I mean. Pitt it's, and Virginia play the weekend before Thanksgiving in what yes. possibly could be well Pitt so Virginia's three and two in conference. Pitt is now two and zero, oh, so Pitt's going to need to lose. Virginia's going to need to win out basically to uh, to make Charlotte, but I, I think that's on the table. And I mean that that would be then the the actual Coastal Championship game, not the preseason Coastal Championship game. 
I don't really foresee a scenario where Pittsburgh doesn't win the Coastal at this point. Yeah, I mean, they get Clemson this weekend, and then it's Miami, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse. Like, I mean, you might lose to Clemson. They're favored against Clemson. And then, I, yeah, I mean, Pitt's in great position here. And more importantly, my over seven and a half wins ticket is in good position. So keep going, Pitt. You were like maybe the only person on planet Earth who was right about Pittsburgh this year. Like, yeah, they could win the Coastal. Like, yeah, okay. It, it was kind of on accident. It was supposed to be based on a 4-0 out-of-conference schedule, which really was a foolish thing to think Pitts was ever going to do, considering recent history. Yeah, they don't do that. Yeah, no, not at all. But um, Row the boat. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a bit. It helped that all the uh, the uh, the uh, dropping tide brought down all the other ships, though. So <laughs> that, that didn't yeah. hurt either. That's that's true. Our North Carolina and, and Miami picks are just not in a good spot. <laughs> not <laughs> our it, best preseason picks we've ever made. Yes. To be politically correct, those sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's yeah. one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got here. Pitt, 28, Virginia Tech, 7. Let's keep moving, Mike. Two more. Number 22, NC State, 33, Boston College, 7. Mike, Boston College is a slight underdog here and was a very popular upset pick that I, I was don't know why. into the weekend. I don't fully get why either. Nope. NC State just absolutely sat on them. And, and, Eat that and, ass. Yeah. I, I think, you know, speaking of teams, you know, Pittsburgh, I think the best team in the Coastal. Yeah. I think we're going to get Pitt, NC State in Charlotte. I think that's what we're working yep. our way towards here. NC State is the best team in the ACC. The most complete team, I would say. Yeah, if we're not going to say best, let's say most complete. And they get it done offensively and defensively. They have good quarterback play. They have a really good running game. Offensive line's getting better. Defense has been really good. Special teams is good. They're well coached. I mean, Dave Doran has them well coached. We can make fun... We make fun of Dave Doran plenty on this podcast. They are well coached, definitively well coached under Dave Doran and have been for the last like 24 months. Like this is this is a good NC State football team. And mm-hmm. we were riding that Wake Forest Steam and Deeks train. But Joey, they've been kind of getting by, and I know they were on a they were on a bye this weekend, but they've been getting by by the skin of their teeth recently. NC State is rolling through people. And I think this is the this is the best team and best team in the ACC. The other the other part of this too is everybody was hyping up Pittsburgh, right? Oh, Pittsburgh! Look at this offense. Can he pick a Heisman contender? And then it's like I look at NC State and I see NC State doing the same thing. Now the offense isn't as prolific, right? So they're not the shiny object, but they're rolling through people. And they go up to Chestnut Hill. Everybody in their mother is picking Boston College. I didn't understand why. Like, Dennis Grossell has been kind of like this. He's been kind of up and down. Running game's been a little bit up and down. Mm-hmm. Defense is good, and I, I like Jeff Halfley. I think he's a good coach. But without Phil Jerkovic, I couldn't pick BC to beat NC State with the way NC State was playing. This was, you and I locked up NC State on the preview. Yes, we did. That was the easiest pick of all time. I tweeted that out the other night. Saturday night, this game's about to go final. I said, NC State minus three on the road was free money. I mean, it was ten, it was ten seven at halftime, but Boston College scored a touchdown on their first offensive possession, and that was it. Like never scored again. No, did not. Um, and 
And I had this as a note, I believe. Boston College wasted a lot of plays and yards in this game. And like you said, I mean, it was it, some of this kind of came down to some moves that Dennis Grissel made. Um, they had drives of nine plays, 43 yards, punt. Ten plays, 73 yards, missed field goal. Uh, four plays, 31 yards, interception. Ten plays, 25 yards, punt, which put that one in the Louvre, by the way. Ten plays, 25 yeah, yards, and yeah. a punt. Um Five plays, 28 yards, turnover on downs. Nine plays, 35 yards, turnover on downs. That is a lot of plays and yards to rack up and do a whole lot of nothing with it. Yeah. I mean, it is. But it's not like we haven't seen this show before. Yeah. I... Like and again, credit to credit to Jeff Halfley and that coaching staff. I mean, this team plays hard; they're well disciplined. But there's just something missing there with no Phil Dracovic. Yeah, and you ran up against again what I think and what we think is probably the best team in the ACC this year. And at least in the second half, you know they they kind of made you pay for it, made it look silly. Um, there was a a little scoop six here, uh, or you know block punt situation for for NC State. Uh, early in the third quarter that kind of blew this game open. Um, be real, real honest, didn't watch the whole game here. So let's figure out, was this a blocked punt? They said it was a fumble return for a touchdown. But in any case, NC State gets a defensive slash special team score early in the second half, and uh, that kind of helped to blow this game open, made it a 10-point game, and they just went from there. I just... Want to tell you, Joey? I can't wait for eleven and one NC State going to the ACC championship, becoming twelve and one, and then backdooring themselves into a conversation on the Sunday after conference championship weekend, when we're sitting here talking about the college football playoff with all the chaos that's going to ensue over the next six weeks. Ooh, that's can't wait for that. Good question. What odds could I get on NC State to make the playoff right now? Now, again, strength of schedule, probably an issue. Eh. I don't know. At this point, being 11 and one might just be good enough or 11 or 12 and one, really. Right. Odds to make the CS. Especially if Clemson wins out. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm just saying that's that's on the table. I mean, it's not likely, but it's on the table. I'm seeing an article from VegasInsider.com. Oh, odds to win the national title. NC State at 150 to one. I don't want yeah. those odds. <laughs> no, don't. I don't want any part of that. I'm good. That's. It's one thing for them to make it to the dance. It's another thing for them to be kicked out after a couple of drinks. Yeah. Which would essentially be the first few drives of the game against like OU or Georgia or literally anybody right yeah so i don't know it should be interesting to watch um big win for nc state here again I, I think they got the clear shot at at charlotte i mean we'll see if wake forest can somehow knock off clemson here in a few weeks and and then maybe nc state versus wake forest becomes a really meaningful game but in, until clemson loses to somebody else i mean nc state is gonna have to lose twice to not get yeah. there Yep. So it, it really feels like it's NC State and Pitt heading to Charlotte for me. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for college game day to go to Winston Salem in oh, mid November. Hell yeah. I'm here for that. Would that be the first time ever? I think it might be. Good question. It might be. 
Let's see if we can Google that real quick. Good Unless they went at some point when Riley Skinner was a quarterback or something. Man. Um, let's see. From a couple of years ago, SB Nation had an article. Places that have never had college game day ranked. Yep, Wake Forest. There you go. There it is. They were ranked sixth behind Cal, Maryland, Minnesota, which I believe has had it, Syracuse, and Iowa State, who has also had it recently. So I believe Wake up to like fourth on that list. There you go. There you go. Noted noted rankings of schools that college game day has never been to, presented by Joey Weaver. Very scientific. Very scientific. Where would you put them? I'd put them like fourth. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I got sources. Um, NC State, 33, Boston College, 7. Mike, last one, Virginia, 48, Duke, nothing. Man, holy I picked cow. Duke to, I picked Duke to cover. What an idiot. I, I think I did, too. What I an did idiot. Too. Um, first off, Mike, quick question. What is it you think about Virginia here? Virginia is awesome. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I figured as much. Yeah. Um, they are awesome. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Um, there was that, uh, this game was also just kind of a mess for Duke. Uh, they had four turnovers. They also turned it over on downs twice. Yep. Uh, Virginia scored on every possession they had in the first half and they led 34 <laughs> to nothing at halftime. Is that good? This game was, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, this game was pretty much over before it even got started. Um, I, I, I don't really know what it says. And Mike, this is the point where we try to make sense of the ACC and I say, Georgia Tech blew out North Carolina. North Carolina kind of blew out Virginia. Virginia has now blown out Duke. The same Duke team that nearly beat my Georgia Tech team that started that whole train last week. So, yeah, sure. Why not? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it all adds up. Yeah. So I can't wait for Georgia Tech to get blown out by Virginia for reasons here in a couple of weeks. But we'll yeah. see how that goes. I guess it's this weekend. Oh, gosh. Well, thoughts and prayers to you. Gunnar Holmberg had been doing a really nice job not turning the football over. And like you mentioned, Duke had four turnovers. He throws two picks here, and man, oh, man, probably wishes he had those back. I was going to say, Gunnar, Gunnar Holmberg was also doing a really good job coming into this game of not getting benched and uh, then struggled with that <laughs> in this game. <laughs> David Cutcliffe might be getting benched. How many times are we going to have to talk about that in this podcast before it actually happens? <laughs> You're not getting Cooper Manning. Just get rid of David Cutcliffe, please. Yes. Yeah. And by get rid of getting rid of him, just tell him you'll build him a statue because you're going to do it anyway. You just should. do what they did with Beamer, right? Just be like, hey, we'll build you a statue. This isn't working anymore. Just like retire. Focus on health or something. I don't know, man. This was this was bad. This was a mess. Even Mateo Durant couldn't get a whole lot of anything going here. I mean, credit to Virginia's defense. Like, this is probably – like, I realize it's Duke, but this is probably one of the best performances they've had all year. I oh, mean, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Yep. Holding Mateo Durant to 17 carries for 82 yards is pretty dang good. Um, yeah. Even in a game where Duke had to spend most of the game passing because they were just in a giant hole that they dug themselves by the middle of the second quarter. But – you know, so credit to Virginia's defense. They look pretty good. Uh, Dontavian Wicks continues to be like this sneaky problem for Virginia or for other teams playing Virginia. Seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. And it's 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 funny to me, Mike, because I like I don't know when this happened, but like Virginia's receiving core has kind of like snuck up on all of us. And is actually really pretty friggin good. 
I mean, you oh, had, you've had yeah, the, one of the one of the best units in the coastal, I think, in the whole conference, I would argue. Um, yeah, yep. I, I mean, you had the the emergence of Duntavian Wicks this year. Billy Kemp has been there for a while. You've had Jelani Woods who transferred in, and he's like basically uncoverable. Kemp, by the way, Kemp's finally healthy. Like mm. he had not been healthy. And I think that's a big reason why he's having the year he's having. Yeah, he looks right. Uh, they're starting to use Keaton Thompson catching the ball because that's allowed, I guess. Yeah. Um, Rayshon Henry has been good. They don't even have uh, – oh, what's the name? Dang it. He, he tore his ACL in spring practice, and he's supposed to be coming back. Who am I thinking of, Mike? Uh, oh, I know, who, I know who you're thinking of. Coming up with it. Virginia fans are going to be so mad at me. Uh, Lavelle Davis. They haven't had Lavelle yes, Davis all year. Just like there add him to the mix. It's going to be a mess for anyone trying yep. to defend him. He'd been practicing, right? What's going I on with that? I think so. We, we were yeah. assuming he was done for the year back then. Yeah. It seems like we might see we might see Lavelle Davis here later this year. Yeah, which, I mean, would be something. It really would. It really would. Um, yeah, I mean, Virginia... Virginia's probably the second best team in the coastal right now. Like if we're all being really honest with each other. Oh no, they definitely are. They definitely are. Now, if you want to play the same game we played with Pittsburgh of what's their best win, they did get blown out by Wake Forest and UNC in consecutive weeks. But since then, they beat Miami by two. That was oh, that was a little bit lucky. Right. They had the storming comeback last week against Louisville. That's probably their best win. And then yeah, they remember shut out that Duke today, this weekend. Well, remember, remember that Wake Forest game got away from them a little bit. It did. It did. Um, now, uh, credit Wake Forest, but like we said, like UVA could have played a little bit better in the second half. <laughs> yes. Like it kind of slipped away a little bit. Virginia was in that game, and it just kind of second half, especially, just did not go very well. No, fourth quarter went po- real poorly. Yeah, yeah, very poorly. But uh, Duke had eight penalties for 85 yards as if four turnovers wasn't enough here. They needed to have almost 100 penalty yards as well. Yeah, this was arguably the worst game that Duke has played all year, um, just kind of top to bottom. It's weird, too, looking at the box score because Virginia also only went three of 11 on third down in a game where they had 29 first downs and scored 48 points. Like the only way that Duke had a chance to stop him was getting him to third down. And then they were like it was automatic that they were going to get the stop, which is, is yeah. just strange. Yeah. Most, most of those failed third down conversions came in the second half. Yeah, that's probably fair. They, they didn't even get to third down much in the first half. Didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Anyways, Virginia 48 Duke, nothing. Uh, Mike, that's all I got on actual ACC games, but buddy, Northern Illinois, 34, the Bowling Green Falcons. <laughs> 26. Mike, good teams win. Great teams cover. Great teams cover. I have a shirt that says that, so you know I believe it. <laughs> Go ACC to Bowling Green, who was a nine-point underdog and lost by eight. Out away. Go Falcons. It's a way to make us some money. <laughs> uh, Bowling Green now, what, like six and one against the spread this year or something? Yeah, still a terrible football team, but bet ATS. Starting to cover. That's a good sign. Yep. Shout out to the Falcons. Can play my sound one more time, uh, Mike. That's all I got on games. You want to give out some awards? Let's do it. All right, let's start with the Go ACC moment of the week, where I felt like the really obvious place was the easy worst moment that anybody had all week. The Miami Hurricanes 
have a chance to tie the game and kick in a field goal with about 10 seconds left in their game against North Carolina. And they got a little greedy, Mike. They, they did. They said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to run another play. We're going to try to score a touchdown, and then we'll kick the field goal. Well, Mike, they didn't get a chance to kick the field goal. No. No. Yeah, that's absolutely the Go ACC moment of the week. So go ACC to you, Miami, for uh, <laughs> just completely torpedoing, torpedoing your chances to win a game yet again. Good stuff. How about the How about the go SEC moment of the week? Joe Milton. <laughs> he needed like to throw like 35 yards for a touchdown. He decided that a 12-yard run is fine. Inspired, and then he goes to throwing the end zone. Fantastic. Yeah. So sorry, that was just one of the worst plays I've seen in college football this year. So I thought I should mention it. Hey, pad those stats, Joe Milton. Yeah, had those. Yeah, especially now you don't play much. <laughs> yeah, you think you think uh, wins and losses are going to get you on an NFL roster? No, right. you need those no. rushing yards, baby. Rushing yards and pride. <laughs> Go SEC to you, Joe. Go SEC. Go SEC to you, Mike. The Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award goes to the Duke offense, who they really tried to score some points. I swear they did. They gave it their best. They gave it their all, and then. Uh, they, they did not get there. They stink. They're not good. No, they're not good. They're one of the few teams that's worse than Virginia Tech. They almost beat Georgia Tech. What is that? What, I don't know what that tells us about anything else here, but hey, you know, why not? I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll be less sorry here in a couple weeks when Virginia Tech oh. comes in and saves Puente's job by I know. No, it's it's going to take more than that. It's going to take way more than that. For once, we will both be cheering for Georgia Tech in that rivalry game. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I'm going to be wearing, be wearing my Section 103 <laughs> Anyways, Duke, you tried. Good on you. And it, uh, it didn't really work out. Mike, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award goes to Virginia Tech quarterback Braxton Burmeister, who had a combined 41 pass attempts and carries for a grand total of 153 yards. Less than four yards per touch, including pass attempts. Mike, that is just outstanding. I love it. Outstanding is one way to put it. Piss four is another way to put it. <laughs> Do you have a, a preference on which of those you can win? Let's go with piss four. Piss four. All right. I'll take yeah, it. Okay. Okay. All right, Mike. I think that does it for awards. Uh, ACC Player of the Week. Let's give actual real awards now. Oh, there are a couple candidates. Uh, in a losing effort, Sean Tucker. Another yeah, really nice good. week. Yeah, another really nice week. 157 yards rushing. He's turning into a really nice player for Syracuse. I feel like we can say Sean Tucker almost every week now. Yeah, he's uh, very good. Yeah, uh, Thayer Thomas from NC State, four catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. That'll work. Um, another another strong candidate there. I'll toss out Ooh, uh, Israel Israel Abanaconda. Yes, from Pittsburgh. Like yes. I realize 140 yards on 21 carries is is pretty good. It's not like incredible by all standards, but by pit rushing standards, it looks like friggin' Barry yes. Sanders out there. So yeah, checks the box there. Um, Dontavian Wicks also from UVA. We mentioned him a little bit a moment ago. Seven for 125 and a touchdown. Yep, yep. Very good yeah. performance from him as well. So yep. uh, credit to all those guys, ACC Players of the Week. Mike, do you have a team of the week in the ACC? NC State. NC, NC State. State. Yeah, NC State. You? 
I think that's a good one. I mean, that, that yeah. was the uh, the biggest blowout as it related to the spread or anything else this weekend. So, I, I mean, it's probably either them and or Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, Virginia had a, pitched a shutout and won a game by almost 50. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, there's only five games. I guess three of the teams that won can be the team of the week. Why not? I think this for the slander that NC State was receiving going into that game against Boston College, that the slander nationally – the college football betting podcast. I will not mention here because I'm an avid listener of several of them, but I kept hearing the Boston college pick and I'm like, you know what? I agree with you guys on a lot of stuff. I think you're so wrong on this. And the one betting podcast that you're referring to that I also love. And I can distinctly remember. I also watch one of those hosts on a certain Saturday morning, college football preview show that runs for about three hours from nine to noon Eastern, right before all the big games start. On ESPN, I think. On that one, yeah, the Big Four Letter Network. Yeah, that one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think that was, I was maybe screaming some thinking on their end. Oh, I was scr- I was in the car, literally. I was listening to this in the car, literally screaming. I was so mad. Yeah. I was like, "Are you kidding yeah. me? Based on what? Yeah, I like BC here. Why? Why do you like BC here? Give me three reasons. I don't see it because they've lost twenty. Well, now it's twenty-two in a row against ranked teams. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> You know why they didn't win the first 21? I know. Exactly. <laughs> I have a few theories. Yeah. Well, we'll get into those in a later episode of Basketball Conference Podcast, Mike. Yeah, we will. Uh, Mike, that's all I got for week seven. Anything else? On to week eight. We're officially at the halfway point of the year because a lot of teams are coming off their bye or going into their bye, and they've already played six games. So It's going quick, man. It's going quick. Yep. Always does. It's been a fun season, though. I'm excited for the second half. It, it's been crazy enough already. I figure it's only going to get more crazy. So looking forward to it. So much better than 2020 oh, for so many reasons. But just it's great. Every yeah, every in every way it is better than 2020. So, yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed the first half and uh, will stick with us here through the second half of the season. Mike. Absolutely. All right. Mike, let's get out of here. Let's come back and preview some Week 8 action. Uh, I believe it's all just Saturday games. We don't have any weeknight games, but uh, we will be coming at you here in a few days with a preview. Again, apologies for the late uh, the late posting of this one, scheduling stuff. We'll get back to normal next weekend, I promise. Uh, Mike, we're going to get out of here. We're going to come back and preview those games. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. By the way, the SOS in Mike's Twitter handle stands for Sons of Saturday. And like he mentioned, he posted an article here earlier today uh, called Sometimes You Dig Your Own Grave. It's a really good, really good write-up of the uh, Justin Fuente situation in Blacksburg. So go, go give that a look. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, fig- I try to plug your stuff here. You know, we should plug our stuff on our podcast. I think <laughs> we should probably do that, that seems like a prudent. It seems like a prudent choice. There you go. There you go. Take the opportunity. Yeah. We're, you know, we're paying paying money for. The- Anyways, um, you can find us on Not iTunes, on Spotify, all the places you normally find podcasts. Uh, you can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns. The longest email address known to man: basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. You want to tell them where else they can find us on social media? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Check us out on Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. Also, we haven't gotten reviews in about a week, which I don't like. So post those reviews. Give us ratings on iTunes. Bump us up the charts. It's that simple. Please do. Please do. We, we need your help on that. 
Yes. Mike, we hold up our end of the bargain just a few days late usually. We need the people to hold up their end of the bargain too. <laughs> a few days late. It's fine. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's allowed. It's allowed. It's never too late to give good reviews on iTunes. So please do that's that. That's right. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? I think we are all set and on to week eight. On to week eight. Love it. Looking forward to it. Mike, get some rest. We will talk later this week about some week eight yep. action. Good deal. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.